Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Now follow along with me as I share this with you. Um, I'm sure you're aware of this, I'm pretty sure you are, that, that all of us were born into a secular context. We were all born into a secular context. Not one of us was born into a spiritual context. Not one of us was born following Jesus. So we were all born into a secular context. And, and, and with few exceptions, the secular context is, is where most of our time and energy is spent. However, when someone receives Christ as Savior and Lord, the Bible teaches us that there's a brand new context that opens up before us, and that is the spiritual context. Now, a mistake that many of us who have entered into the spiritual context make is confusing the idea that these two contexts exist in separate compartments. Hmm? Spiritual life, it's all about Sunday. These couple of hours where we get together and sing spiritual songs and hear someone open the Bible and teach a spiritual lesson. And then there's our secular context, which is in a completely different box. And that box is basically the one we live in for the rest of the week for most of us. And so many of us, when we think of this idea of a spiritual context, we we look at it as something that we're going to add to our already existent secular context. You following me? If not, go back and watch the video later on this afternoon. Hopefully you'll pick it up. But listen, the call to follow Jesus is not a call to add a new religious compartment to our lives. No, the call of Jesus is to see all of life as being absorbed into the spiritual. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I'm paraphrasing this just a little bit. But basically what he says to us in this passage is that we who are believers are to stop allowing the world to squeeze us into its mold. How many of you agree that the world is constantly trying to squeeze you into its mold? Will you give some kind of sign that you believe that may be true? Mm -hmm. It's always trying to squeeze us into its way of thinking, into its way of acting, into its way of believing. That's the secular context. And Paul says... Stop allowing the world to squeeze you into its mold. Instead, as a believer, we are to be renewed in our mind. Our mind needs to see a different way. It needs to begin to grow in a different understanding. It needs to be awakened to the spiritual context and begin to understand what that actually means. And Paul says that we are to be renewed in our mind so that we can understand what God wants. And also so that we can see how what he wants is actually good, pleasing, and acceptable. And you say, Pastor Mike, what does God want? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that. I'm always saying, oh God, you know, what do you want? Would you please just tell me? And what God wants is he wants all of our life to be absorbed into Christ and to be governed by the Spirit. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants all of our life to be absorbed into Christ so that there are no longer two contexts, but only one. And then that one context being governed 
by the Spirit of God. And if that's going to happen for us, dear believer, then we're going to have to stop thinking like there are two parts to life. That there is over here this secular part, and over here there is a spiritual part, and we must come to realize that in Christ there's only, only, say it with me, only the spiritual context. Well, the man that Jesus invited to follow him, we can see that he was blocked by the barrier of a secular mindset. The way this man is thinking is something along this line. He's thinking, I'll add you in, Jesus, but first I must tend to the affairs of my family. First I must take care of my father, and when my father dies, I must collect my inheritance. And after I've done all that, then I'm free and I'll come and follow you. That's a secular way of thinking. And Jesus would have none of it. Notice what he says to the man. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let's translate what that is actually saying. It is saying, let the spiritually dead, those who are in the secular context only, let the spiritual dead take care of the physical dead. There's other people who can handle this for you, man. I've put my sight on you, and I've called you to follow me, and what I want you to do is to accept the mission that I have for you, and I want you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Not after your father dies, not after you've settled his estate and collected your inheritance, not after you've gotten your retirement secured, and not after your children have grown. I want you to stop thinking from a secular mindset, and I want you to begin to see life as it is meant to be, fully absorbed into the spiritual. Seeing and interpreting life from the secular viewpoint is a barrier to becoming and being a disciple of Christ. Am I right, Brett? Thank you for affirming that and not embarrassing me up here. I'd hate for you to shake your head and go, no, it's not right. We come to verses 61 and 62. And we find that after identifying the barrier of the, that the second man had, a third man begins to speak to Jesus. And this man, like the first, offers himself to Jesus. And at first glance, for this man, it would seem as though there really is no barrier. He said, Jesus, I, I, I will follow you. And he even uses the word Lord. I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say, well, say farewell to those at my home. Surely there's no barrier there. I mean, what the man is simply saying, isn't he? Is he just saying, Jesus, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I am ready to go with you. And Jesus, while you finish up your business here, I'll trot on back home and, and I'll pack a bag and, and I'll explain my choice to follow you to my friends and family. And then I'll be right back and I'm ready to go. No barrier, right? Who could find fault with that way of thinking? I'm ready to go. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute so that I can take care of a few quick things and we're going. Yet Jesus' discernment understood that many a would-be disciple doesn't make it out of the starting blocks because family and friends throw up barriers instead of being supportive. And because the love for family and friends is valued greater than love for Jesus... Uh, the willingness begins to wane and is placed on the back burner and 
then it begins to languish and eventually it has no effect. Jesus speaks to this. It's recorded in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, and this is truth point number three. Notice what Jesus says. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I realize that the Son of God is the one who said that, but that notwithstanding, does not that statement raise the hair on the back of your neck? Does it not bristle you and cause you to feel rather uneasy? Let's look at it again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is crucial. So listen. Jesus is not actually saying that to follow him, you have to hate your family. He is not saying that you have to hate anyone to follow him. But what he is saying is this, that your devotion to him as Savior and Lord is to be such that when push comes to shove, his will and his calling have your loyalty more than that of family. And to your family, it might actually be interpreted as though you don't care for us anymore. You don't love us the way you should. You're off following that rabbi. You're off following that savior. You're off trotting behind Jesus and you're just leaving us in the wake. As I was writing this, I was thinking of two examples that you know of, at least you know part of the story. I was thinking of the Jacksons, Brent and Nikki, and I was thinking of the Lightners, Danny and Sarah. And being on the inside track, when they were being called to lay down a nice life in America and a nice salary and benefit package at a local church and all the rest that comes with that, when they were in that process of feeling that the Lord was calling them to the mission field and and they were prepared to go, I'm here to tell you they both faced opposition from family. In fact, one of them faced great opposition from family. Because, and I can understand that to a point, because grandma and grandpa don't want to see the grandkids go off somewhere where they'll never, can't see them but once every three years. And so you don't want that as a grandparent. I'm now a grandparent. I don't like that. I don't even get to see my grandson but two, three times a year, and I think that's terrible. Imagine if they were off in Timbuktu somewhere and I only saw them once every three or four years, if even that. But they faced great opposition from family. Yet, both the Jacksons and the Lightners knew they had a calling from God. And whether family and friends supported them or not, they had to be faithful to that call. And so to some, their decision to go on might look hard-hearted. It might look cruel. It may appear to be unloving. I don't believe they had even an inkling of those feelings in their heart. But their loyalty to Jesus was greater. And they went. So to this man who seemed ready to go but wanted to return to family before he did, Jesus said, and this was a proverb in the day, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're going to walk with me, walk with me. 
And if you're going to walk another way, walk another way. But don't think that it's okay to say, I will follow you, but let me go back. Don't think it's okay to say, I'll follow you, but let me go back. I'll follow you, but let me go back. Listen, you can follow. You can follow or you can go back, but you cannot follow and go back. Huh? You can't do both. It doesn't work. I want to follow Jesus, but let me go back. Barriers. Barriers to following Jesus have existed since the fall of man. The biggest barrier there is, is the one that man can never overcome on his own, and that is the barrier of sin. The sin nature that we inherited from our parents and our own individual sins represent a barrier that no one can conquer alone, and that's why the Son of God came to earth. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 teaches us that Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross are God's tangible. They are his tangible demonstration of his love for us. We find there that on the cross, Jesus took our sins into his own body. And then in that body of flesh, he, he took upon himself the full wrath of God for sin, dying in our place, thus fully satisfying God's justice against sin. And with the sin debt paid, Jesus rose from the dead, bringing forgiveness and eternal life to all who by faith would trust in him. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.